Welcome to another edition of Reshaping America. This is your host, Kurt Flewelling. Um, obviously, a lot of COVID-19 stories uh, from one state or another that we can get into, but um, I wanted to start by just an observation. I, I believe Trump is on his way again for the millionth time to uh, controlling the narrative once again and rendering his opponents uh, frustrated and useless. Um, conventional wisdom might be that since the economy is now trashed and the left has successfully demagogued this issue and kind of uh, in some instances uh, made Donald Trump out to be the bad guy in this coronavirus uh craziness. It, it, it may seem like this bodes well for uh, Joe Biden. Um, and as we've said on shows in the past, shelving Joe Biden is um, a, a dream for those that want to uh, run out the clock, if you will. The more Joe Biden is quiet, it's a good day for Democrats. So at first blush, this things seems to be working for those opponents of Donald Trump. But I can tell you what's going to happen. It always comes down to those battleground states, uh, the states that he won because Hillary Clinton refused to uh, work them four years ago. Uh, the Rust Belt, as we affectionately call it, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and I'm going to throw Florida into the mix there, too, because uh, Governor DeSantis is doing some really good things down there, some bold things that are going to help Donald Trump. But it, at the end of the day, for all the demagoguery um, with people trying to tag Donald Trump with a flawed coronavirus response and a floundering economy, as he usually does, he will turn the tables on his opponents yet again. And control the narrative because controlling the narrative is his strong suit. That's where he excels. And in my estimation, he wins either way. If, if more and more of these states say enough is enough and they pull out of this and get their economy rolling again, our economy as in general, um, as Americans, will, will improve. The stock market will continue to go up and that uh, feather in Donald Trump's cap, which was the stock market and the economy, will probably rebound just in time for him to uh, ride that wave right into re-election. But let's just say it doesn't. What if it doesn't? What if more of these Orwellian dictators in these handful of blue states, can, and purple states for that matter, uh, continue to, in an iron-fisted way, reside over this lockdown and just tell us to stay uh, under our beds and they'll tell us when we can get out. That, in a very odd way, bodes well for Donald Trump as well. And, and I can tell you why, because those individuals, particularly in the Rust Belt, that pushed him over the top, and Pennsylvania's not exactly in the Rust Belt, but I'm including that, um, they are largely blue-collar workers, hard workers, uh, not necessarily political junkies, um, many of which probably didn't even vote in, in past elections. Uh, 
and they just want to feed their families. They want to work. They want to feed their families. And if they are not allowed to do that, particularly in Michigan, the craziness that's going on in there, craziness that's going on in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Ohio, um, Wisconsin, and I'm going to throw Florida into that mix, even though that's not obviously the Rust Belt, but um, business owners in Florida um, have benefited greatly from Governor DeSantis's uh, leadership down there. And that's not going to be forgotten by the rank and file who have a job and the small business owners who are able to keep their doors open and not lay people off. Um, if, if this, take Florida out of the mix, if this craziness in all these other states and Maine, throw Maine in there, continues, these folks are not going to forget who shut their states down and try as you would it ain't going to be Donald Trump. He's not going to get the blame. They know very clearly who is allowing them to, uh, you know, get out of their house when they say, or who's not allowing them to go about their business and work and who is devastating the economy. And it's certainly not Republicans or Donald Trump, it's Democrats. So I think if the situation abates, it helps Donald Trump. If it continues to go on, the anger and the backlash towards the people that are orchestrating this, the dictators, the tyrants, is is going to bode well for Donald Trump. And he will be able to effectively uh, point that out uh, against a uh, floundering Joe Biden and how many other uh, how many debates they may have. And I think he's going to, again, turn the tables, on his uh, political opponents, if you will. So that is my two cents on the win-win, I think, uh, that's going to happen for Donald Trump if this thing goes north or south or even in the middle. So um, one thing I did want to comment on uh, before we start getting into the COVID craziness is the death of renowned Christian evangelist Ravi Zacharias. Those of you that are fans of this show um, have heard me over the years uh, extol the virtues of Ravi Zacharias and just bring his name up quite often. And you know what a what a sad day when this gentleman died. And I'll, I'll read a little little bit on uh, uh, an article I printed about his death and some of the things that he is known for, but. Personally, as many of you have heard, um, I refer to Ravi Zacharias quite often simply because there is one word that comes to mind when I recall Ravi Zacharias's ministry and, and what he has done for our culture and what we sorely need more than anything now. And the word is absolute. Um, he spoke of quite often absolutes and we can expand on that a little bit um, if if you you know we we can take it to the high intellectual level of Ravi Zacharias or perhaps not quite as high a level um, no offense to Charlie Daniels um, who famously said if you stand for nothing you fall for anything um, you need absolutes in order to stand for something you need to know what you believe in and more importantly why you believe in it 
And um, if you do not have absolutes, and those of us in our listening audience that are born again Christians, our absolute um, uh, come from uh, God and the Bible. And those absolutes are um, unwavering. They are indeed absolute. And that's what dictates how we conduct ourselves, how we feel about uh, the issues of the day, how we treat our fellow man, et cetera, et cetera. Um, when absolutes, or probably uh, more appropriately termed beliefs, if you will, if they are on a sliding scale, then you are like um, someone just blowing in the wind. Today, you may believe one thing, tomorrow you may believe another, and you may leave yourself very ripe for um, to be swayed by people that want to take you in a different direction. Um, and uh, that is very evident today. If, if this was a day and an age where we need clear moral absolutes and we need to know what we believe in and why we believe in it, it is now. And that will go on. Ravi Zacharias Ministries has no less than 100 very well-qualified apologists to do uh, what Ravi um, had been doing for um, several decades. So they will continue to carry on the torch. But um, Ravi Zacharias was just an amazing individual. And uh, this article says... Um, Ravi Zacharias, Christian evangelist and defender of the faith, and he certainly was, dies at 74. And um, I remember I got some emails um, chronicling um, what was going on with Ravi in the last four months. And the, the his very quick deterioration in the last several weeks was a surprise to me. He, for those of you that um, did not know, he went in for simple back surgery about four months ago. And the doctors found a tumor, and he was actually praising God that, you know, I go in for my back, and they find a cancerous tumor. Thank God for that, and we'll get that treated, and we'll move on. And um, sadly, it was a very uh, rare, aggressive form of cancer, and it did respond, the tumor, to chemotherapy, but it had spread very quickly. And... Um, in recent weeks, he had uh, deteriorated quite rapidly and was told, there's really nothing more we can do. Please uh, go home to Atlanta and uh, you know spend time with your family, which was when I got that email, it was just a shock to me. And uh, despite our fervent prayers for our brother, Ravi Zacharias, to uh, he become healed, God had another plan for Ravi, and he is rejoicing with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in heaven at this point in time. But um, great for him, uh, incredible loss for us um, in the United States of America in particular. Uh, it says, Ravi Zacharias, a renowned Christian evangelist and best-selling author, died Tuesday morning at his home in Atlanta after a brief battle with sarcoma which, as I said, is a rare form of cancer. He was 74. The popular author, speaker, and founder of Ravi Zacharias International Ministries spent the greater part of his life defending Christianity after finding his faith while facing suicide at the age of 17. 
That's pretty amazing. I did not know that. Um, and if you if you go and you look at the obituary um, for um, Mr. Zacharias, it is uh, quite long and extensive, but uh, an amazing read. It really is, and it would behoove you to uh, to learn a little bit more about Robbie Zacharias if you did not know much about him. But it goes on to say Zacharias was a frequent guest on Fox News discussing issues of faith. He was born in Chennai, India in 1946, moved to Canada where he began studies in theology before moving to the U.S. shortly thereafter. Um, At 37, he was invited to preach by Billy Graham at the inaugural International Conference for Itinerant Evangelists in Amsterdam in 18, or excuse me, 1983. Um, the next year, and he kind of burst onto the scene, um, Billy Graham discovered him, and then he burst onto the scene there. The next year, he founded uh, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. And this is all you really need to know about Ravi Zacharias. Um, uh, there is so much to uh to read about him and be impressed with and, and just thank God that we had him for the time we had him. But this next line is really all you need to know about Ravi Zacharias. Um, the tagline of his ministry, um, their mission statement is helping the thinker believe and the believer think. Now drink that one in for a second. Helping the thinker believe and the believer think. Oftentimes, as we have uh, stated on this show, um, those uh, individuals out there that are highly intellectual can't oftentimes uh, see the forest for the trees, if you will. And many times their uh, high intellect gets in the way when it comes to the simple truths of the gospel. So um, he set out to help the thinker, the doubter, the atheist, believe in something higher, um, but also at the same time having just as much energy to challenge the believer to think. And that is one of the things I've tried to do on my show for years. Um, And it is not a foregone conclusion just because you are a believer in Jesus Christ that you um, are looking at the issues of the day or making the stands that you should be making or conducting yourself in the, the way you should be conducting yourself just because you're a Christian. Um, there are a lot of ignorant uh, Christians out there. And there are a lot of people that don't understand the issues of the day and the cultural um, wars that are going on. And Robbie Zacharias um, certainly challenged those individuals to not only be content with um, being a born-again Christian, going to heaven, but to think and grow. Uh, We can't grow. We can't execute um, what the Lord would like us to do, however that looks for you or me or anyone else, unless we think. And thinking, as we have said on this show many, many times, is a lost art. It is not taught in school, um, elementary, junior high, high school, college, professors, professors. give study guides, uh, which are basically the answers to the test. And if you uh, teach to the test and then the, uh, the student at whatever level just pukes it back out 
then you really aren't thinking too much and you're not challenged and iron is not sharpening iron at all. We're just a bunch of sheep trying to get a good grade on a test to get to the next level. And this is a problem in our culture. Um, there are a lot of private schools and some public schools and charter schools and Christian schools that do a very good job of getting back to classical education where um, students are very engaged with the teacher and dissent is welcome and uh, challenges in the class are, are often uh, a, a very good thing. Um, those are good things, but they are in short supply in a day and age um, that we find ourselves in. So encouraging people to think is something that Mr. Zacharias did, um, and, and his influence will be sadly missed. I, I recall him coming to Philadelphia um, about three years ago, maybe four years ago, uh, three years ago, and he was at uh, Temple University, and it was just a madhouse getting in there, and the place was packed, and everybody was psyched. And I took some college-bound individuals with me because um, although they were born-again Christians, they were going into a world, and they, they would admit this now, that they had no idea they were going into. Some of them were going to some colleges in some really hostile areas. And by hostile, I mean hostile to the gospel, um, a Christian's way of life, a Christian's way of navigating uh, school as a young man or a young woman. And I took a few individuals there in order to get uh, the perspective of Ravi Zacharias and, and, and answer the challenge that he made to everybody that night to, um, to uh, think of what you believe in, why you believe in it, uh, be prepared to defend why you believe it. And by defending it, it, it um, you question your faith, and that's a good thing. And it, iron sharpens iron, and, and it's, uh, it's so much better than what you see and hear on college campuses today, which is um, fascistic um, uh, tactics, um, oddly enough, uh, by the left, who uh, progressives in this culture used to be the champions of free speech. Now they squelch it if it does not fit their worldview. Um, college campuses are places where uh, thought and the encouragement of thought is something that is uh, fast evaporating. And that was very troubling to Ravi Zacharias. And that's why he did indeed visit college campuses uh, and debate people quite regularly. So um, I took a bunch of folks down at Temple University to see him a few years ago, and they were just absolutely thankful that I did it, and they benefited from it. And I talked to those individuals from time to time, and they hearken back, and they, they thank me for that evening, and they say, you know, um, you're correct. I did not know what I was going into um, at college. I had an idea. But I just did not know how lonely it can be in, unless you're very plugged in to one Christian group or another or very quickly, uh, you know, pray that you find good, solid, decent people. College can be a very lonely, scary place for a lot of young men and women. And um, they benefited greatly from seeing Ravi that night in Philadelphia a few years ago. Um, read a little bit more. From the article here, it says, uh, 
Ravi saw the objections and questions of others not as something to be rebuffed, but as a cry of the heart that had to be answered. Michael Ramsden, president of Ravi Zacharias Ministries, said in a statement um, the other day, people weren't logical problems waiting to be solved. They were people who needed the person of Christ. Those who know, knew him well will remember him first for his kindness, his gentleness, his generosity of spirit. The love and kindness he had come to know in and through Jesus Christ was the same love he wanted to share with all he met. Now, they, those are profound words and um, kind of... Uh, Harkens back to a, a verse of the Bible that I always liked, First uh, John four seven through eight. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And a few shows ago, you know, I, I asked that question to myself as well. Do you love Hillary Clinton? Do you love Barack Obama? Do you love Adam Schiff? Do you love Nancy Pelosi? Um, in this culture, regardless if you think you have the truth in your heart, mind, soul, hip pocket, whatever, if you're treating people like um, objections, uh, or excuse me, um, uh, individuals that just need to be defeated then I think you're missing it. And I know a lot of people, a lot of good people have said that, you know, we getting along with people is all well and good, but they need to be defeated. Well, yes, they do need to be defeated in, 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 as far as politics is concerned, perhaps. But in the grand scheme of life, which is what you and I are, are put on this earth for, and it is not necessarily to win a coronavirus debate uh, with, with some leftists, although that is part of it. Um, it is ultimately to lead people to Jesus Christ. And if we are repelling rather than attracting, as it is often said, then it doesn't really matter if we have the truth of the gospel. It doesn't really matter if we're right on the, uh, the global or excuse me, the coronavirus responses of one state as opposed to another. Um, if people at the end of the day who are legitimately searching, most of which um, they don't really even realize that they have a Jesus-sized hole in their heart, and that is probably why they think the way they do, um, those individuals have to first and foremost um, as Mr. Zacharias did, be met with kindness, gentleness, generosity of spirit. And that's very difficult to do when um, you have people acting, in, and we'll, we'll get to them in the show here, and you got to report on them, right? Acting in, a, in a, just a crazy, dictatorial, tyrannical way, shutting down churches, um, uh, even even churches that are practicing very very sound safe social distancing, it's not good enough for people that said, "I've told you not to congregate. Don't congregate. Call out the dogs." Um, how do you meet a person like that 
with kindness, gentleness, generosity of spirit? Well, I mean, the short answer, even though it's extraordinarily challenging, is you let the Holy Spirit cut through all that. You let God speak through you. You let him do all the heavy lifting. And you are merely the vessel of which he chooses uh, to use. That's the short answer. Is it very difficult to do? Exceedingly difficult to do. If somebody's screaming at you, trampling on the rights that your God up above has given you in this great land of ours, um, it's extraordinarily difficult to meet that person with a kind, gentle, love of Jesus Christ approach. But as, as difficult and as challenging as that is to do, it's got to be done. What is the alternative? Is you know, and it's funny. I was watching all the usual. I'm not even going to name them. You know, all the usual conservative outlets last night, and listening to all the usual conservative pundits on the radio, and they do a lot of good things. They they hold Democrats and and these liberal outlets. They hold their feet to the fire. They expose them for the frauds that they are. But you know. More than a few, on more than a few occasions, they are presenting their news, their commentary in a snarky, um, sometimes disingenuous, sometimes taking fast and loose liberties with the truth in order to get a point across. And I think in the short term, the, the, the best way to describe it is they're throwing out red meat for the... Um, for their base or for people that just love red meat. They'd love to hear Hillary bad, Trump good, CNN bad, Fox good. And I've just not subscribed to that for a real long time. When I was first getting into politics and analyzing things and, you know, I, I really kind of, I, I did feel that way. But, um, as I've often said on this show, I think God has a bigger problem with Republicans because most Democrats at least have the don't have the audacity to claim the name of Jesus Christ while doing what they're doing. Now, that has changed. There is a Christian left out there that has no problem contorting God's word like a pretzel and invoking the name of Jesus. But in general... Democrats are not the God party. And my point is, I think God has a bigger problem. If you whore out God, if you will, and say that I'm for mom, apple pie, and Jesus, and then you govern or legislate or conduct yourself in a manner that is basically Democrat light. Um, I think if you're going to um, profess Jesus Christ as your Lord or you're a Christian or, or the Bible is something that is an absolute, for you. I, I think your uh, style of governance, your legislative record, your personal conduct um, should reflect that. And oftentimes it doesn't. And many people who are born again believers destined for heaven, as long as you got an R next to your name, they'll hold their nose and vote for you, or they will give you a pass on one issue or another. And, um, that's unfortunate because what that does ultimately is that discourages thought, that blunts thought. If, if we reduce every issue of the day, if we don't check it against the word of God, 
if we don't operate on James 1, verse 5 wisdom, um, what's going to happen is we just we get into this lazy CNN bad, Fox News good, Trump good, Biden bad, and we just vote for R's or D's, and then we go about our day. And, and you know, there's a lot of times where the guy or the gal with the R next to their name is flat out wrong. And if nobody has the guts to say that or talk about that or bring that up, then then that's a real scary um, world that you want to live in because that gives the guy or the gal with the R next to their name or the guy or the gal that's on Fox News or on the radio, that gives that individual carte blanche to just about puke anything out of their mouth that they want to. And if you're not careful, you're not reading your Bible, you're not praying, you're not checking where does the Word of God stand on this issue or that issue, you're going to become lazy and you're not going to think. And as um, Ravi Zacharias said, he wanted to challenge the believer to think. If you have some absolutes, that's great. If you're a believer, that's great. Um, how are we putting that into practice? I've always said WWJD is in all areas um, of life. And that certainly includes politics. It includes who you vote for, how you feel about the issues of the day, the, um, the litmus test that you should have for your local representatives, your regional representatives, your state representatives, um, your national representatives. You should have a litmus test for all of those individuals, and it should be checked against the Word of God. And we are living in a time that um, people are not thinking. Thinking is discouraged. Thinking is blunted. And it's ironic because some of the people who are uh, thwarted or blunted on college campuses, you know, a lot of those individuals and probably more appropriate or accurately the people that follow those individuals, they double back with crazy rhetoric and inflammatory this and that um, of their own. And they think they're fighting the good fight, and, and to some degree they are, but what they're doing is they're really alienating a lot of folks that aren't political junkies, that could care less about politics or any of the things that I'm saying now or I'm going to say in the remainder of the show. And they're just looking at a couple of lunatics with D's and R's next to their name and saying, I want no part of that. And it, it extends to religion as well. If there are people in um, certain denominations, let's just say all denominations have a, a fair percentage of people that, um, you know, they may be born again, but their style, if you will, of leading people to Christ leaves a heck of a lot to be desired. And my whole thing is, is, is um, substance is very important. But as I have often been told in my personal life and my journey, um, it, it really doesn't matter if you, you have a good message or a, a Lord that you want to share with somebody. If your style, let's just say, sucks, then you got a problem. You cannot articulate what you need to articulate and persuade, and iron does not sharpen iron in that instance. If, if you don't have the love of Christ 
And um, as the article here says about Mr. Zacharias, he was kind, he was gentle, he was patient. He saw objections and questions of others, not as something to be rebuffed, but as a cry of the heart that had to be answered. Man, that that really just sums up the gospel right there. Um, Did Jesus say, forgive them for they know not what they do? What they were doing to Jesus was flat out wrong. And Jesus is a respecter of the law and what they were doing was wrong. But did he lead with, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Do you know who I am now? He said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And as much as you and I, and we're going to get into some of these um, mayors and governors in a minute here, as much as we have to call them out for the craziness that's happening, and we have to fight against that, at the least, at the ballot box, we cannot just run them over with a truck and and without trying to at least first look at that individual and why they think the way they think from the perspective of Jesus Christ. And we should have sadness for them. Are they dangerous? Yes. Are they uh, affecting our way of life, our family's way of life, our our income? Um, Taxes are just a terrible thing on so many levels. Oppressive taxation just beats down people to the point of discouragement. Um, And many of these um, governors of these states, what did they do right out of the chute? They they put the kibosh on um, churches and... um, uh, gun ownership. And now I, I am not in any way, shape, manner, or form preaching the gospel of, um, you know, you got to have a gun if you're a, a churchgoer. But it is interesting that two of the things that they set out to curtail almost immediately during this pandemic uh, and the scramble of emotions that we've all been facing is they shut down the churches under the uh, guise of social distancing. And at the time, I was not that opposed to that because we didn't know what our arms were. We we need to get our arms around this thing, right? But as the numbers started to decrease and we started to learn more and more, and I'm looking at a picture right now of a church where the pastor is in defiance of state and local ordinances. And if you look in his church, it's, you know, it is... um, 20% of his congregation and people are light years away from one another. Nobody is anywhere near one another in this huge, enormous church. Why do they have to sit at home and sit on their hands because some Orwellian dictator told them to? That's crazy. Now, was the guy down in Florida, Rodney Howard Brown, who, you know, in the, in the beginning stages of this thing several weeks ago, wanting to, um, you know, pack a house full of hundreds and hundreds of people arm to arm. Was he wrong? Yeah, I think he was. But thinking and logic is not what is being employed in many of these states. We talked about Maine, with their Orwellian shutdown, 1.2 million people for 55 COVID-19 deaths at the time. That's insane. Uh, we'll get into some articles here about... Um, the showdowns between um, these little dictators and citizens that just can't take this anymore. But 
how we present ourselves to them, what we say, what we do, even though we feel like going crazy. Believe me, I've done radio for many years. And um, I've gone crazy at times with the point where I had to go to commercial and I was hyperventilating and I was red faced and I, I, I felt horrible for, I, I was just on such a rant and getting into it with one caller or another. And I, I get it. I, I don't have, um, I don't have a mastery um, of this thing, but I do know what the gospel says. And I do know that we are alienating ourselves from people by acting crazy. So, um, Ravi Zacharias, we, um, we salute you. We pray for your family. Um, what a devastating loss to the globe, but particularly the United States of America, who um, definitely needs uh, somebody like you at this point in time. And um, I just hope and pray and trust that his ministry and what he believes in, um, believed in, will uh, will march on. So um, we have that. Uh, I just chronicled this, but I can read it. Um, this article says, Pastor urging nationwide reopening um, to preach at church. Um, and he says his call, his clarion call for um, churches all over the country to unite and reopen was met with Chicago thuggery. And um, as I said before, it, it is very interesting. Um, totalitarians around the world uh, since the beginning of time, um, eradicating God, closing the churches, and clamping down on um, people's rights to possess firearms to defend themselves are really number one and number two in order of the day. And a lot of times uh, they encourage family to turn on family, which leaves the citizenry rather devastated. Um, there is no, in, in, the, um, in the belief system of the dictator, there is no imaginary God to cry out to or gain hope or encouragement from if you burn the Bibles. Um, if your family has turned on you or as a, as a young person you can't you can't trust in your mother or father you don't have a gun to um, you know defend yourself or you can't you can't do peaceably uh, for those of you that don't like guns peaceably assemble for a redress of grievances you can't do that and, and when, when you take out of the equation those one two three four things what do you have you you have nothing left that than to bow at the altar of the state and go to the state for your creature comforts and your needs and your very existence. But, um, you know, uh, as much as the, um, the heavy-handed governor of Illinois and several other people want to close the churches, the liquor stores remain open. And um, I'll be darned if I can figure that one out. But that is... Um, that is pretty much the order of the day in many, many, many of these, these municipalities throughout the country. Um, the churches are ordered closed. The liquor stores are open. Go figure. Um, the article says this pastor is urging um, churches uh, to reopen in defiance of coronavirus shutdown orders. Um, and he is traveling. To, let me get his name here. He is traveling to... Um, 
Chicago this Sunday to stand with a church that the city has fined $500 for holding a service this week. Um, Brian Gibson is the guy's name, founder of the Peaceably Gather Movement and his his church pastor. Um, He's going to Chicago on May the 24th to stand with churches against the shutdown orders. Um, So uh, he is the pastor of a mega church in Owensburg, Kentucky, and Amarillo, Texas. Um, And he is going to the Elim Romanian Pentecostal Church, one of three in the city that was fined for violating Governor Pritzker's statewide stay-at-home order, according to Chicago Police Department. And the image that I was... um, alluding to a few seconds ago was from this Romanian Pentecostal church in Chicago. And it, it's really, it's, it's just, it's really sad. Um, they're being fined. The heavy handed governor is saying you will not assemble. And if you look at this image, if you want to Google it and take a look at it, it, it it's really horrible in the United States of America that somebody could do this to a church the church is cavernous. It's, it's a huge church. And there are a handful of congregants in the church. And they are so far away from one another that they could not catch the bubonic plague if they attempted to inflict each other with the bubonic plague. That's how far these people are from one another. So this and, you know, we can get to it with the guy, Attila's gym in, uh, across the river here in, uh, in New Jersey and, and the, uh, the restaurateur up in, um, in Maine. American business owners and American people aren't stupid. And, uh, you know, Rand Paul wrote an article in USA Today and he chronicled or he, he said as much like, if, if you don't feel comfortable opening up your business and you don't feel comfortable frequenting a business, then don't do it. But the American people are pretty smart. They, nobody wants to get sick. And um, the social distancing and the sterilization and the commonsensical things that are put in place um, in these establishments across the country are, are absolutely – steeped in uh in science in logic in common sense and our dictators and our um uh orwellian uh little tyrants that that have just top down um rather than bottom-up solutions to everything are having none of it they will not have their power challenged and in the end even in these firmly blue states, um, you know, even leftists don't like to stay in their apartment all day long and be told where to go and what to do and how high to jump. And um, the walls are closing in for a lot of these individuals because the numbers in, in, um, in the country are going down and down and down. The spread of the virus has been largely curtailed. And um the little secret that you don't hear from the liberal media is there are lawsuits in the thousands now across um, this great land of ours in every single state. And private citizens 
small business owners, large business owners are winning. They're winning left, right, and crazy in courts of law against these unconstitutional edicts just based on science from, you know, somebody that's got a few letters after their name. Um, no offense to education, but um, and, and uh, we'll read it in a moment, moment if we have some time. But uh, Senator Paul says that, you know, his respect for um, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks is great. But you can't hold an entire economy hostage and, and just devastate a nation um, as they have done based on the opinions of a handful of people. You just can't do that. So um, it said, uh, this this pastor said the uh, city's efforts um, against this church are vindictive. It says U.S. District Judge Robert Gettleman rejected the comparison between churches and grocery stores in his ruling and instead said they are more comparable to schools, movie theaters, or concert halls where no one is currently allowed to gather. Um, so the ruling has come down. These people are fine. And um, Pastor, uh, whatever his name is here, um, yes, the pastor is, uh, it's, it's escaping me, my pile of garbage here. The, uh, the pastor is coming um I think it's Gibson, yes. Pastor Gibson is coming to Chicago, and um, he's going to stand peaceably with um, the pastors uh, in general of that area and uh, the, the nation collectively, and we'll see what happens. So um, another thing that I would strongly you know, encourage you to do, and again, um, you're not going to hear it in the liberal media. You're going to continue to hear lies and demagoguery. But I would strongly encourage you to Google uh, or, or get a YouTube video of uh, Governor Ron DeSantis yesterday with um, with Vice President Pence uh, stoically sitting by um, behind him as he absolutely launched in, in, a, in a cool um, – little tirade of one minute and 21 seconds where he very shortly and succinctly put the media in their place. And uh, I have an article here that says, give Florida and Ron DeSantis credit where it is due. And the author of the um, article is Kaylee McGee. And um, she starts off by saying Governor DeSantis was right and his critics were wrong with a period. But many in the media still refuse to admit that Florida's coronavirus response has worked, chalking up the state's success to fudged data. And uh, I'm, I'm going to read a CNN article um, after I read a little bit more of this one. But the, the, the noteworthy thing about Kaylee McGee here is um, what she says at the end of the article. And it says, many in the media, myself included, criticized DeSantis in the early days of the pandemic for refusing to implement statewide restrictions. We warned that Florida be could become the next New York if DeSantis did not act. So, and I, I know some reasonable people in the Philadelphia area here where I was a little surprised 
that they were throwing some rocks big time at Governor DeSantis. And um, this author was one of those. And to her credit, um, we go back to thinking, right, instead of uh, political hackery. Um, she wrote an article saying I was wrong. And I, I love that. I think that's great. I, I do it all the time. Um, the last paragraph here says, but the disaster we anticipated never struck, in part because DeSantis's targeted, localized approach better prepared Florida counties for the outbreak. And unlike a few of his fellow governors, he helped protect his state's elderly population. She's being very kind there, not calling out the governors of New Jersey and Pennsylvania and New York. Um, he helped protect his state's elderly population by shutting down nursing homes early on and preventing hospitals from sending COVID-19 patients back to long-term care facilities. Not only, as we've said on this show several times, not only did those uh, three states that I just mentioned not do that, but they actually did the opposite of that and pointed COVID-19 patients in the direction of poor, unsuspecting folks in nursing homes and the, the nursing home care providers in the, in the uh, instance of New York on March 25th had literally less than a day to figure out what to do with these people. And it caused widespread carnage um, in the nursing home in the northwest portion of uh, Pennsylvania. All sorts of craziness and death and mayhem was happening. And that has replicated itself in many nursing homes in those three aforementioned states. Did not happen in Florida. Florida has the third largest, it is the third most populated state. Many of these critics said it's going to happen like New York, and it didn't. Their numbers are for, for a, uh, a very populated state, third out of 50 states. Their numbers are, they, they have the 10th largest um, in, uh, afflictions of the virus and deaths. And, and that's with a state with a third highest population. And why did this happen? You have to watch the video and see uh, Governor DeSantis very clearly, succinctly, and emphatically kind of ticks off what he did in the face of all sorts of criticism by the national media, that he was a buffoon, he was a Trump bot, he, uh, he just did what Donald Trump wanted him to do. And um, call him what you will. Uh, one of many things that he did, as the article says here, is he had the brain cells to know, um, based on the information given him by the health authorities in his state, that the elderly population did, did not have the immune systems to combat this um, if they contracted it, and their mortality rates were far higher than other uh, demographics, if you will. So what did he do? He shut those um, nursing homes and assisted living facilities down to the point where they were not accepting COVID-19 positive people. And he saved countless lives. Um, and, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, uh, in, in the spirit of how I started my show, I'm not going to throw Andrew Cuomo under the bus anymore today. He does a good enough job on a daily basis doing that for himself. But um, juxtapose 
how Governor DeSantis um, handled the nursing home aspect of this compared to Andrew Cuomo or Governor Wolf in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. The fascinating thing, and this, this, you know, is um, is where you know what you read, who you believe, is is just about everything. Um, I I found it to be interesting. This there was another article after um, Governor DeSantis did his little uh, speech yesterday from um, CNN, and as you might imagine, their take on it was. <laughs> dramatically different than um, this uh, reporter in the Washington Examiner who thought uh, heretofore thought Governor DeSantis was nuts and she has eaten crow and admitted as such. This says Florida governor claims coronavirus victory, but luck may have been a factor. And we're, we're winding down and uh, short on time here, but it's really fascinating to read the various aspects of this article. And um, it, it basically, it, it does not give Governor DeSantis any credit whatsoever for the, um, the, the good numbers. Uh, it, it uses phrases like, scientists are puzzled by Florida. And... Um, it's a reasonable hypothesis that humidity may have had something to do with this. And um, it's just, it's it's very interesting to just, at every turn, this is like four pages. I'm certainly not um, going to read all of them. But um, it, it was chalking it up to uh, chance, humidity, uh, all sorts of other things uh, that the elderly were better informed, better educated. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, just read the CNN article. I don't have time to do the whole thing. And then watch the video. And you will see, uh, I mean, many things that I just don't have time to get to. But another thing before we leave here, he said he pulled off these numbers, as it is today, with many folks from the greater metropolitan area in New York and several other states fleeing into his state. So he's got to manage that as well. And he did it and he did it well. And um, my hat is off to Governor DeSantis in this whole COVID-19 crisis. I just, uh, I think we'll just kind of end it that way. So um, didn't get to a lot of articles here, but at least we, um, we chronicled that uh, good things are happening in Florida Bad things are happening in Illinois. Um, we pray for the pastors that just want to um, preach and the congregants that just want to get fed. And uh, as we wind down here again, um, we we pay uh, very, very due respect to Ravi Zacharias, who passed uh, a couple days ago, and he will be sorely missed. And uh, if you want to honor him, um, you know, donate to his ministry read what his ministry is all about and um, just uh, learn what you believe in, why you believe in it and how to defend it. I guess we'll end that way. This is Kurt Flewelling, Reshaping America. Until next week, have a great day.